Good morning. How are we? Well, once again, happy Mother's Day. So glad the mothers are able to join us here. Glad my mom's able to join us here as well. I wouldn't be here without her. So, um, but uh, happy Mother's Day to you. Um, so we're really glad that you're able uh, to spend your Sunday morning here with us at Firewheel Bible Fellowship. Uh, perhaps this is your first time to worship with us here. If so, please know that we're glad you're here. And we're glad that you decided to spend your Sunday morning with us. We know that you have a choice of where you could be on Sunday mornings. Now, just so you know, I am not the person you normally see up here. Uh, Pastor Adrian is out of town this weekend. Um, as he and Jen are attending a wedding for a family member. And we look forward to having Adrian back in the pulpit next Sunday. If I have not had the pleasure of meeting you, uh, my name is Kevin Davis, and I'm one of our elders here at Firewheel Bible Fellowship. I also have the opportunity uh, to be one of our teachers here on Sunday morning as we've been going through the book of Romans this year. So a couple of weeks ago, Adrian and I were um, discussing, and he had, he had asked me to if I'd be able to preach on Mother's Day, and I, I said that I would, and so he and I were talking, and he said, well, um, we're going to be starting a new series that Sunday, and I said, okay, great, and so, um, so he, finished, he finished it last Sunday, and he gave me the passage, and so we're going to be talking about trials, tribulations, and suffering today on Mother's Day, okay, so, <laughs> but it is in Scripture, okay? We're going to be in the book of James for the next few Sundays. And so, you know, there are um, some topics, if we're honest, that we really don't like talking about. And there are topics today that a lot of modern churches don't want to talk about it. But James, in his book, is going to address the issue of suffering in the lives of his fellow believers. Well, why is that? Well, there's a specific reason why James would dedicate part of this letter to suffering, but we will get to that in just a little bit. So we'll be starting out today in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and the verses should be on the screen behind me. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you that we have access to your word. We thank you, Lord, that on this Mother's Day that we're able here to gather together in person, Father, as brothers and sisters in Christ, and do what the church did 2,000 years ago, Lord, to have fellowship together, to study your word together. My prayer this morning, Father, is that this service, that this message, that this fellowship, that all of it would be pleasing to you, that your name would be glorified through it, Lord, for you and you alone are worthy. And I pray this in the name of Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, James, and we're going to get into a little bit about who James was here in just a little bit, but he wrote 
about the suffering of these believers nearly some 2,000 years ago. And let us remember that many of our brothers and sisters today are also being severely persecuted for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's a few um, statistics I want to share with you from different countries around the world, and these are all recent in the past year or two. In North Korea, it's estimated that about 1.5% of the population are Christians, so a very small segment, but that if you actually own a Bible, it is considered a crime punishable by imprisonment. According to the Union of Catholic Asian News, there are also numerous reports of violence against Christian minorities in the predominantly Muslim country of Pakistan. In addition to that, um, according to Forbes online magazine, since the Taliban takeover in August of 2021, Christian minorities in Afghanistan have had to flee or go into hiding. This is an actual quote from Forbes that says, those Christians whose names are known to the Taliban are being hunted down. Now these Christians in North Korea, Pakistan, and Afghanistan are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And let us remember that as we get into the text of this morning. When we think about suffering, we may think about these far off places to these people we don't know, but let us remember those are our brothers and sisters in Christ. As you may or may not know, we have a number of missionaries that we have supported over the years in Dubai, in Mexico, and in Haiti, and they, we know, are experiencing their own levels of trials, tribulations, and persecutions. So let's remember that as we get into the text this morning. Now, before we get into the Scripture itself, um, just a little bit of background on the book of James. Now, the author, of course, is a man named James. Now, James is one of those names in the New Testament. We actually have a few prominent people with the name of James. Now, when we think of James, we most often think of who? The Apostle James, okay? Uh, The brother of John, the son of Zebedee. And there actually was two apostles named James. There was James, the son of Zebedee. There was another James called the son of Alphaeus. However, most historians and commentators believe that the author of this book was a different James, and that they believe that this James is the oldest half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's a few things that we know about James from Scripture. So first off, initially, James was not even a believer. And we see this in John 7, 5. Jesus had a number of brothers, and we're going to refer to them, another one named Jude here in just a second. But he had a number of brothers. But while Jesus' ministry was going on, James, along with the rest of his brothers, they were not even believers in Jesus Christ at the time. Now, we do know from 1 Corinthians 15, 7, that James did actually meet the resurrected Jesus Christ. Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians 15, 7. Now, when we go through the book of Acts, especially the earlier part of the book of Acts, what we see throughout that book is that James himself became a very prominent leader in the church at Jerusalem. And one of those passages comes from Acts 15, 13. And the Apostle Paul also tells us something else very revealing about James. This is from Galatians 2, 9. And he refers 
to James, along with Peter and John, as being what he calls a pillar of the church. Now, part of the reason I wanted to put these facts up here about James, this should give us hope. Okay, when we look at James and we see initially he heard the words of Jesus, he saw the miracles, and he wasn't a believer. But over time, he became not just a believer, but he became a very prominent leader in the early church. Now, to distinguish this James from the other James in the New Testament, he's often referred to in church history as James the Just. Now, as far as the book of James itself, um, church history says it may be the first book written in the New Testament. It's one of the earliest ones written somewhere around 45 to 49 A.D., uh, which means that it was written you know, approximately 12 to 17 years after the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. Now, there are some different themes in the book, but one of the themes that we're going to be discussing today is the persecution of Jewish Christians who were living in regions that were predominantly Gentile. Now, as a result, many of these Jewish Christians had already gone or were currently undergoing significant persecution because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And this leads us to our one true statement this morning, faithful followers of Christ will experience trials. Faithful followers of Christ will experience trials. This is not really a case of if, it's a case of when. If I am going to be a dedicated follower of Christ, I'm going to experience trials. And part of the reason for that, because as a faithful follower of Christ, what I believe is not going to be in alignment with what the world believes, with what our culture believes. And as a result of that, um, when Kelly did um, communion this morning, he, he, he used one of Jesus' I am statements. That He says, I am the vine. But another one of his statements is, that I am the light of the world. And see, and as a faithful follower of Christ, we are called to be light. And when we are light, and when we shine, something is different. And if we make that our continual, habitual lifestyle, eventually we're going to run in to some powers that be that disagree with what we believe. So faithful followers of Christ will experience trials. Okay, so as we look into verse 1 this morning, how does James refer to himself? What does he say in verse 1? A servant, okay? He refers to himself as a servant. Now, some versions, um, this is actually a closer word, not a word that we use a lot today. It's called a bond servant, and that's what a lot of the versions use. Now, the Greek word here um, is used well over a hundred times in the New Testament. Now, it's no coincidence that the Apostle Paul, that the Apostle Peter, and that Jude, who actually was also a brother of James and Jesus, that all of them, they also refer to themselves as bondservants of the Lord Jesus Christ in their own New Testament epistles. Now, the following quote comes from a man named Kenneth West. He's a New Testament Greek scholar and translator. 
and he gives us a broader explanation of the Greek word doulos, okay? It says that it refers to one who served his master to the disregard of his own interests, one whose will was swallowed up in the will of his master. That's a good definition of what a bondservant is and what a bondservant does. A bondservant in this context is someone who serves someone else, but they don't just serve them, they do it at the will of this other person. Did you know that if you are a believer in Christ, that you have a master? And as we go back to the text, we see, of course, that the master of James is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, James goes on, and um, unlike some letters maybe that Paul wrote where it was a, a specific church in a specific town, James addresses this letter to whom? Well, when we look at verse 1, we see that it's addressed to what we call, depending on your version, some versions may say the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Some versions may read the, uh, the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad or the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Now, that term, the 12 tribes in the dispersion, refers to what exactly? Well, if we uh, go back to our Old Testament history and look in our Old Testament books, we know that the 12 tribes are the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. Now, these 12 tribes were descendants of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, as a part of God's promise to Abraham, as a part of what we call the Abrahamic covenant. Now, while we don't have time to go over all of them in detail this morning, we can read more about them in Genesis chapter 49, as well as Exodus chapter 1. Now, while reading this, we should be asking ourselves, why are these 12 tribes dispersed or scattered among the nations? Now, the Greek word for scattered or dispersed here is the word diaspora, and it means basically just that, to be scattered abroad. Sometimes they might use it for the, um, if a, about a farmer, if he was sowing seed, he would be scattering seed. It's that same concept. Now, if we look at our history in the Old Testament, we see that throughout several books, there are various reasons why at different times the Jewish people were scattered. Oftentimes that was tied in to their disobedience and their worship of other gods. But we also see that through that, that God always preserves a remnant in the midst of that. However, as it relates specifically to James's audience in this book, we believe that these Jews were scattered because they were being persecuted because of their faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to go to the book of Acts briefly here. This comes from chapter 7, verses 54 through 60. And it says, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. 
Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses lay their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Now, this man here, Stephen, is who church history generally recognizes as being the first martyr of the early church. And after these Jewish leaders executed Stephen, there naturally arose a greater danger for followers of Christ. Now, many commentators believe that this in turn resulted in the dispersion, the diaspora, the scattering of many of the believers. Now, in addition to that, there was also significant persecution at the same time that was occurring under the reign of Herod Agrippa I as well. Now, some of those incidents of persecution under his reign are recorded in chapter 12 of the book of Acts. Uh, These include, among others, the execution of James, the apostle, the son of Zebedee, as well as the imprisonment of the apostle Peter as well. Now, whatever the reason, these Jewish Christians had been scattered and were experiencing significant trials and tribulations as a result. D. Edmund Hebert, author and professor, says it this way. He says, the 12 tribes scattered abroad most naturally refer to Jewish Christians of the diaspora, namely those who were living outside of Palestine. Now back to our text here in James. Let's see how James responds to these Jews who have been dispersed because of their faith. Now what does he say in verse 2? He says, consider or count it all joy whenever you face trials. You're like, what? Can you imagine being on the receiving end of this letter? You read what James writes and you're like, wait a second. Did James just say that we should count it all joy with what we've been going through? Did he just say that? So James, I don't know what you've been doing there in Jerusalem, but you don't know what you're talking about. We don't have any reason to be joyful, James. Do you understand what we've been going through? Now, let's be honest. What, what is our response if I'm going through a trial and tribulation and someone says, hey, man, I heard about this trial. I want you to count it as all joy. All right? Now, we should. I should count it as all joy, and James is going to explain why we should count it as all joy. But in my mindset, if I'm going through trials and tribulations, I don't want to count it as all joy. I think most of us agree that it can be hard to be joyful when we are experiencing suffering, trials, and tribulations. I like the following quote from Dr. David Jeremiah. He says, to count it all joy means to appraise one's situation intelligently, confident of the good that God can do through it. It does have an impact impact on us as believers when we meet another believer and they're going through trials and tribulations and they're going through suffering, but they do count it as all joy. See, that's an encouragement to me. And there are people in this church who I have seen display just that. They do count it as all joy in the midst of their suffering. 
But see, James was not alone in believing that joy could be found in the midst of suffering. We go back to the book of Acts, chapter 5, verses 40 through 42. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. See, Peter and the other apostles here, Scripture says they rejoiced. But what did they rejoice for? Because they were considered worthy to suffer for the sharing of the gospel. There's a quote I found this week from Warren Wiersbe. He says that our values determine our evaluations. If we value comfort more than character, then trials will upset us. If we value the material and the physical more than the spiritual, we will not be able to count it all joy. If we live only for the present and we forget about our future, the trials will make us bitter, not better. The following quote comes from the Apostle Paul from the book of Romans 8.18. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. See, one thing as a believer I have as a follower of Christ that someone who is not a follower of Christ doesn't have, I have hope. Every believer and follower of Christ has hope in our future with whatever trials that we're going through. See, like James and like Peter, Paul understood that he was going to suffer for the sake of the name of Jesus, but, and this is very important, Paul understood that his suffering was only temporary. Whatever trials we are facing today or tomorrow as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I can rejoice in the fact that my suffering is a mere blip on the screen when I compare it with spending all of eternity in the presence of the one true living God. This brings us to our first point this morning. Our suffering that we experience today is only temporary. Our suffering that we experience today is only temporary. Now please hear me. I am not discounting the fact that there are people here today who are hurting whether physically, mentally, or emotionally. I'm not discounting the trials and tribulations that we're going through. Our pain is very real, and we need to acknowledge that there are people who are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe they're carrying out the message of the gospel, or they're leading a Christ-centered life. Perhaps they're obedient and loving and compassionate and considerate, but they're also suffering. However, if I take a spiritual step back and remind myself that we serve an eternal, sovereign God. We read from the book of Revelation 21:4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. 
Now, to summarize so far, we have determined that as believers, we are considered bondservants to our loving master, Jesus Christ. We also have determined that although we will or are suffering for the sake of the Lord, it is only temporary. But what about now? Here on this earth, in this fallen world, does this suffering, do these trials and tribulations, do they serve any purpose for us while we are here? Let's go back to the text and see what James tells us in verse 3. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, the Greek word for know here is the word genosko. It is a fairly common word in the New Testament. It's used over 200 times. Now, Lou Nita defines it this way. He says it's to learn, acquire information, but also implying personal involvement or experience. So when James uses the word know here, this isn't just a knowledge. It's not just head knowledge. James is talking about an interactive experience, which is more than just having head knowledge. Now, we also see in this verse, he uses the word steadfastness. Um, Some versions may use the word endurance or perseverance. Uh, The New King James actually uses the word patience. You see, James wants his readers, these believers that he truly cares about, to understand that their suffering for the Lord is not in vain. The testing of our faith has a point. Although at those times when we are in the midst of that storm, it may be hard for us to realize that or to see it. This brings us to our second point this morning. Our suffering that we experience today does serve a godly purpose. Our suffering that we experience today does serve a godly purpose, even though in the midst of that, it may not seem like it. And see, part of that godly purpose in the testing of our faith produces perseverance, patience, and endurance. Now, this is a special type of endurance. William Barclay describes it as follows. He says, it is a determination, unhurrying and yet undelaying, which goes steadily on and refuses to be deflected. Obstacles do not daunt it, and discouragements do not take its hope away. It is the steadfast endurance which carries on until the end it gets there. I am confident on this Mother's Day that there are mothers here today who can speak to this truth regarding their own experience, their own individual trials. You see, for believers who have gone through a significant trial or suffering at some time in the past, yet they still walk with the Lord today. We look at verse 4. Now, James goes on to tell them, to allow this steadfastness or this endurance to have its full effect so that you, brother and sister, may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. When James is speaking of being perfect and complete, now he's not talking about some form of idyllic sinlessness, but rather an opportunity for growth. As a believer in Christ, As I look back over my walk with the Lord, hopefully there's an element of growth that has taken place. And as a part of that growth, hopefully in areas of my life, there's a level of maturity that I have achieved. 
See, James wants them to know that through these trials and tribulations, God, as I said earlier, has a godly purpose in that without these trials and tribulations, oftentimes we wouldn't be able to grow or become more mature in the faith. Now, we also see at the beginning of verse 4, it uses the word let. Now, there is a need for an attitude of submission. As a servant to my master Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Savior, my friend, there is an attitude of submission that I should convey to him, an attitude of obedience, an attitude of faithfulness. But let's be honest, this can be tough, can it? Yet we are still to be submissive to the Lord. Why? Because God is working through my suffering and your suffering, through my trials, through your trials, to bring about a change in us, a change that is visible to others and can impact them in ways that we may not even be aware of or even see. The IVP commentary says, Do you long to be fully the person God desires you to be? If so, then you now have the full reason for considering it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. The trials can be opportunities for testing to develop in you. The perseverance, when it finishes its work, will leave us mature in Christ. For those of us who have set our hearts on becoming Christ-like, it is a wonderful reason for pure joy. And this brings us to our final point this morning. Our suffering that we experience today can lead us to a more Christ-like life. Our suffering that we experience today can lead us to a more Christ-like life, a life that, become, that can become more and more like Jesus over time as we become more mature in the faith. Our final verse this morning comes from Ephesians 4.13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? Mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now before we close, I have a few spiritual take-homes for you here. Uh, the first one, which master will you serve? See, James knew who his master was. He knew his master was omniscient and loving, and he served him faithfully. James's master is the same master that you and I have today if we are followers of Christ. Let us also serve him faithfully. Number two, rejoice and take heart during your own trials. Again, if you are a follower of Christ, you will face trials if you're not already. How will we respond? Will we count it as all joy? May we remember that there is a purpose to these trials and tribulations. God is faithful, and he can bring us closer to him in the midst of the storm. And number three, this is very important, encourage your brothers and sisters as they are going through their own trials. You see, part of the reason that James wrote this letter was because he knew that these fellow believers were experiencing hardship to them being faithful followers of Christ 
but he didn't want them to do it alone. See, when someone becomes a believer in Christ, which is a great thing, we don't just send them out of their own and tell them to take care of themselves. We are one. We are part of the body of believers. And this is especially true when our brothers and sisters are going through hardships. James did not want them to fall away, to be discouraged. Now, we may not be able to fix their problem or to make it go away, but let's encourage them so they may be able to endure and find their completion in Christ. I also would encourage us today to pray for our fellow believers in other countries as they faithfully follow the Lord in a hostile environment. And let's remember our missionaries in Haiti, in Dubai, in Mexico, and beyond. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we worship you, God, because you are worthy. You are holy. You are omniscient. You are loving, gracious, merciful. You are the only true living God there is. You have no equal. You have no rival. You are eternal, Father. You are sovereign. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for his broken body on the cross. We thank you, Lord, for the salvation of our souls. And Lord, this is hard, but we thank you for trials and tribulations, God, because you are faithful and because you will bring us closer to you in the midst of that, Father. I thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your promises. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning for those who are here today and they're going through trials, Lord, and tribulations and suffering. You know what they are, Lord. We have people here, I know, Lord, who are going through physical pain. Maybe there's broken relationships. Maybe it's a wayward child, a financial crisis, anxiety, depression, whatever it is, Father. It's nothing that you have not seen before, Lord. We can bring nothing to you, Lord, that shocks you. And I pray, Father, that there would be unity in our congregation, that we would encourage one another, that our interaction with one another is pleasing to you, O Lord, for you and you alone are worthy of all praise, glory, and honor. I pray all of this in the name of Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Okay, now at this point in the service, while the band plays, uh, we want to give you an opportunity to pray with someone here. I'd like to call our prayer partners down to come out front. Uh, maybe you just need someone to pray with you about a need you have. Or you know what? Maybe you just want to give glory to God today for what he's done in your life. Either way, our prayer partners are available. Now, as Pastor Adrian likes to say, keep in mind, this is not a spectator event. So I would ask that those of you who remain in your seat, that you pray as well during this time and continue in the worship of the one true God. This is what we do as the church. This is part of fellowship. Our prayer partners are available. Because you died and rose. 
Because you were forsaken, I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me. Because you died and rose again. Amazing love. Because you were forsaken, I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Amazing love. Amazing love, I know it's true, and it's my joy to honor you in all I do. I So we, so we got this 
a Mother's Day video that we did not get to show, and I walked off, and I didn't know that I didn't get to play. So we're going to play it again for you. Is that okay? All right, cool. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mom, for all the endless piles of laundry. Arms up. I'm sorry for not giving you one moment of silence. I'm sorry for everything. I'm sorry, Mom, for all those times that I came home late. I'm sorry for always fighting with my brother. For treating you like an ATM machine. breaking your heart over and over by thinking I knew better. Parenting is the hardest thing I've ever done. But I've learned how to do it from you. Thank you for teaching me. That giving of myself is the strongest way to live. That allowing my kids to fail will teach them the greatest lesson. Thank you. For teaching me that I can go one more day. That parenting is the greatest honor in the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, um, so again, happy Mother's Day. So glad everybody was able to come today. Um, now, this portion of the service here, I'm going to ask the um, ushers to come forward. Um, if you are a first time guest, we would love to get to know you a little better. And so you can fill out a connection card up front in the lobby area or speak to one of our guest service members as well. Um, now we do, uh, at this point in the service, uh, do take the offering. Um, I wish that everything here was free, but that's not the case. So it does cost money to do church and to take care of the building and whatnot. So let me pray over the offering real quick. Heavenly Father, we thank you, uh, Lord, for you providing for us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to give. Pray this offering is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, and welcome to Firewell Bible Fellowship, where we strive to be Christ-centered and gospel-focused. Here's what's happening at Firewell. Do you like to sew? Would you like to learn how? Connect with the Sew Together group every first and third Saturday of the month at 9 a.m. No sewing machine? No problem. There is plenty to share. Sew Together lovingly creates items that help benefit those in our community. Are you part of one of our Sunday morning Bible studies? There are three studies to choose from. The Great Room is beginning a study of the book of Hebrews next Sunday. The Porch, which is not actually outside, is working their way through the book of Mark. And the study is studying Romans. Join us Sunday mornings at 9.30 here at Firewheel. We love you, moms. There is a treat in the lobby for you. We also set up a photo booth to take pictures with your mom or one of the women who means a lot to you at Firewheel. For more info on these or any of the events going on around Firewheel, check us out at firewheelfellowship.com slash events, or you can find us on social media. Well, all right. Well, I want to thank you for joining us this morning. I also want to thank the elders for allowing me to get up here and share the word of the Lord with you. I always consider it an honor anytime I get to do this. I will be available after the service to speak with you if you so desire. I wish you all a blessed and joyful Mother's Day. So stand as I say the following benediction over you as we are dismissed today. 
May the Lord go before you to light the path and give you direction. May he go behind you to guide your steps. May he go beside you to keep you from stumbling. May he go above you to protect you. May he go within you to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. And may our Father in heaven always grant you the character that is greater than your gift and humility that is greater than your influence. You are loved. God bless you guys.